Hello everybody, and welcome to Casual Cognition. I'm sorry if it's a little noisy in here. I just moved into a new apartment and I have not unpacked everything. But I am super happy to get this episode out here. This is a fun one. We're going to be talking about the uh, Western medical system and uh, the distinctions between that and the uh, Eastern or maybe traditional medical system uh, would be the better term. And this is a fun one for me specifically because I get to tell some stories and Hank gets to tell some stories and uh, then we're going to get into some stuff about pharmaceuticals and then we're going to do a double whammy on ancestral lifestyles. And we did it last week too, but it's too much fun for us not to do it again on this one. So enjoy the episode, everybody. We love you. And we are live. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, Nate. How you doing today, bro? Um, you know, it's Friday. I am a little, little worn out from a nice long work week. And um, a lot of uh, a lot of medical appointments, but I am really? ready for the weekend. Yes, you have medical appointments. Hmm? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, pretty uh, that's pretty interesting. interesting stuff. Yeah. What's uh? So what's what's the deal? What's the deal with that? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just change the topic and do that. I'm just kidding. That is our topic today. Ha ha. Dude, that was the most natural fucking intro to a topic that I've heard personally on this podcast. It was definitely the quickest. Maybe ever. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. um, So, yeah, people, we're going to start off talking a little bit about the medical system. Um, Particularly Western medicine. Yes. Yes, at least to begin um but I, I bet you it's pretty similar over there like like obviously there's a huge fucking problem with the way that medicine is paid for here but i'm sure that um european uh medical practices have some similar problems oh yeah for sure i mean well i guess i'm just making the distinction because yeah like west or western medicine includes europe yeah, obviously yeah i didn't think about that uh, whereas the and sort of distinguishing between that and the more like quote unquote traditional like Eastern medicine, Hank, styles. us Americans just kind of think of us as the West, okay? <laughs> the West is America. You know, if we and... want to be really be generous, we'll include Canada in there. You guys are you guys are a little too close to the uh, to the the East and the you know the other the other nations. We're not going to count Mexico here. That is racist. <laughs> well, welcome to America. That's kind of our shtick here. Um, Unfortunately. But yeah, it you're right. It, it does include a lot of those um, European nations. But yeah, so I've, I've been dealing with a shitload of medical issues uh, pretty much all my life. And um, I have a lot of familiarity with the western medical system and it is a fucking nightmare 
It is so hard to get through. There's so much bureaucracy and red tape. Um, I I assume there's all kinds of people that try and take it take advantage of it, because you have to end up jumping through all these hoops, um, to make sure that you're not doing that. For example, um, to get my medication, I had to take a drug test. Hmm. And well, that's that's something that is actually, I mean, it's kind of annoying, but it's also like, yeah, we probably shouldn't be prescribing pharmaceuticals to drug addicts. No, it's not about whether I'm taking drugs. It's about whether I'm taking the medication and selling it. They're looking for the medication to be in my system. Oh, what? Yeah. Wow, so the so the drug dealers are making sure that you're that you're not middlemanning. Yeah, they're making sure I'm not off the cutting top. into their business. <laughs> wow. Okay, so before we before we like really dive into this, I just want to do a little disclaimer because uh, Nate and I we we have um, the ex- like an interesting experience with kind of both sides of uh, if we're talking about like the western and eastern medicine like growing up in Sedona there was a lot of um alternative medicine and and different stuff like that and then obviously just like growing up in America you deal with the like western style of medicine as well and so like yeah nothing that we're saying here is like uh medical advice in any way (laughs) like we are totally not experts at all i know i say this all the time yeah i say this all the time but like we for some reason we need to keep on maybe i'm just reminding myself that i don't know anything (laughs) (laughs) i think that's probably the main thing uh but yeah so just like take everything we say with a grain of salt because nate and i may be slightly biased on this subject Absolutely. And I, we will be having on an actual medical professional in the near future. So we'll ask him about, um, to, you know, ruin all of our, all of our predispositions because he's actually really good at that sort of thing. I hope, I hope he can because I, for one, okay. So to start off, like, don't get me wrong. There are some amazing things about western medicine that i'm super grateful for and stoked that it exists like it's amazing like um specifically when we talk about infant mortality that is like almost gone because of western medicine um if we talk about yeah like eradicating diseases like polio um you know, antibiotics have saved countless lives. So there's a lot of really cool stuff uh, in Western medicine that I'm stoked about. But I have this propensity, particularly in this field, to focus in a little more on the stuff that we could improve. And there's a lot. There's a lot for us to improve and i mean man i don't even know where to start maybe we should start with a little anecdote sure you want to do me or you (laughs) 
Well, I you I have you, a million uh, of them. You began discussing about this with me yesterday, and I had to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> well, let's save it. Okay. Let's save it for the cast. Okay, so yeah, this is actually fairly funny. Um, when I told my <laughs> my medical professional friend this, he just responded in all caps, LOL, what? <laughs> um, so I've been, I, I've had a hernia for a couple of years now. I think I've mentioned it once or twice on the cast before. And I have been, I, I don't have health insurance. I did have health insurance for a brief, brief time to avoid the, uh, the penalty for not having health insurance. But I was paying like 160 bucks a month for it. And I couldn't even get like basic doctor visits paid for. It was it was like ca- catastrophe insurance. Like if I broke my arm or got in a car accident or something like that, like some of my emergency care would be paid for. So it's almost like liability insurance on your car. It's just like the absolute bare minimums. And I was like, this isn't worth one hundred and sixty dollars a fucking month. What am I doing here? Um. And so I I stopped. I canceled that, and I'm there's a, like a window of time that you're allowed to have health, sign up for health insurance in America. The rules are fucking wacky. So I've been outside that realm, and um, the couple of times that I was in it, it's just life has gotten in the way, and I didn't sign up for it and got lazy. So I don't have health insurance, and so for this hernia, I was going through this government program that is essentially designed to help uninsured or underinsured workers um, whose medical problems are interfering with their ability to work. Um, It helps pay for the treatment that you need. So considering that I'm in construction and I have a hernia, I can't lift heavy shit, that's definitely interfering with the work. And... um, uh, there's a few people who I work with who suggested this uh, this government program. So add, going through the government program adds on a layer of bureaucracy, which makes it even more difficult. So I have to like liaise with some bureaucrat, basically, and, and she signs <laughs> up uh, all my medical appointments and shit. And so... I, what's so fucking funny? <laughs> I just love that you just labeled that human being as a bureaucrat. <laughs> she is as as if as if it's like a subhuman. <laughs> it is. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, but they are they they can be difficult to deal with. Um, yeah, they're they tend to be a little robotic, which I don't blame them. It's a little bit of a soul-sucking job, I'm sure. Um, but she has been fairly helpful. Uh, a little slow on the draw in some things, but um, basically, to get back to the point, I have been going to various medical appointments over these two years because they, they had to track down a couple of other problems that I had and sort of define them for the uh, for the the surgeon and the anesthesiologist, specifically some heart and sleep issues I have. And the 
everybody, all the the medi- medical professionals and the bureaucrats were all worried about like putting me under anesthesia without clearly defining these other medical problems I had. So I've had to go through a whole bunch of other shit and testing and all this stuff. But the funny part about all this was that the first doctor that I went to, I told him the the main things that I was having, and he basically was just like, nah, I don't think so. Like, barely looked at me and was just like, yeah, I don't think you have that. And specifically about the hernia. He, he like, did the normal thing, and... He was like, I don't feel, I don't feel a hernia in here, and I was like, well, you're feeling in the wrong spot. It's right here. And he goes, that's not where those hernias show up. And he just like wouldn't look in the spot, and I was like, well, I know I have it. And he was just like, okay, and, and you know, just kind of skeptically moved on. And so I've gone through. All, he went ahead and pushed me through the system, and I, after going through all this testing, I've been doing this for two years now. And a few days ago, I went to the surgeon for my pre-op appointment. Finally, I should be getting the surgery in the next uh, few weeks to a month. And this is the first time, I guess, first of all, he did the exact same thing. was just like, I don't think you have a hernia. And I was like, yeah, I do. It's right here. And he was like, "Eh, that's not really where they show up. And I was like, Doc, I know it seems weird. Just put your fingers here. And I like put his fingers where it is. And, and he, uh, his eyes widened, and he calls his nurse over, his nurse in training over, and he goes, feel this. This is weird. And she feels, and he goes, you definitely have a hernia. And I was like, yeah, I can feel it from the inside. I know I have a right. hernia. But the funny part about that to me was that out of, over two years of treatment, this is the first time anybody's ever actually confirmed that I have a hernia. Right, and you, you, you also, because you saw, like, multiple different people about yeah. it, right? yeah. Yeah, there was two other doctors that that did the exact same thing. Like, the first one and another one was just like, I don't feel a hernia. And just wouldn't listen to me when I told them to look in a different spot. And I had to, like, fully insist that the surgeon look in this spot. And the reason why it's in a weird spot is because it's already been repaired before. So it's not it's not manifesting in the normal spot. The suture basically has the the mesh suture that that's over it has ruptured. So it's causing the hernia to go in a, in a weird spot. Um, but people wouldn't listen to me, and this is one thing that I've really really noticed in the medical system, is that you have to be such a self advocate and really insist on your own treatment and. You know, I think people sometimes feel shy because there's a there's a sort of attitude of like like derision to people who self-diagnose because people do it a lot. You know, people people make a lot of mistakes that way, and there's like a hypochondriac aspect to it where you know the the sort of WebMD thing where people go online and they're just like, I think I have hepatitis. <laughs> it's just like, no, you just have, you just ate too much last night and you have a bellyache. Um, so people are really resistant to insisting on, um, on treatment or testing or this or that, but I, I, I mean, I'm a weird case. I have strange medical problems and doctors are, so so they're just constantly downplaying and, you know, telling me they think it's something else until they go through a shitload of testing and confirm things. But, um... 
so I, I mean, I my feelings are sometimes weird and unusual, and and I have to really convince people extra. But I think that everybody should know this whenever they're going into the medical system. Like you have to self advocate. You have to insist on how you're feeling and be honest about how you're feeling because there is a big problem of people um, downplaying their own feelings because of one reason or another. There's a there's a bunch of different reasons why you might do that. But um, I, I guess except with the exception of physical pain, a lot of times the, the pain chart, people don't really understand it that much. So sometimes people will overestimate physical pain issues. Um, but it is, uh, there, there's a million little things that you can feel in your body that the doctor can't see and can't, you know, it doesn't show up with a stethoscope. And this hernia is a perfect example of like, I can feel my, my intestines coming out of my body on the inside. And because it doesn't, it's not showing up in my ball sack like it normally would, these doctors are like, I don't think you have a hernia. It's like, I can fucking feel this thing. It is not that difficult to feel. It's very unique. Um, right. And it is like, it, it's always been difficult for me to handle this sort of thing with the medical, with the medical field. Because I, you know, I, I guess, I guess I'm a little naive here, but I go in to a doctor's office feeling like, okay, well, this is a caregiver. This person is going to help me. This person is going to provide assistance to me. And so to them, to me, they're like some fucking angel that's coming to help me with these uh, the suffering that I'm dealing with, but to them, I'm pretty much just a job. I'm there. I'm there every day, and it's very rare that I meet a doctor that is actually like a real caregiver. Mm. Nurses are are a lot better about this, and it, people have talked about this ad nauseum. But um, doctors tend to be pretty callous and. Um, as I've been yapping about a lot, oftentimes a little like skeptical or um, a little like aloof about the things that you're dealing with. And that's why you've got to insist. You've got to just basically make your, make your care the top priority, not the doctor's feelings. And yeah. another thing, one last thing I'll say about this and as far as self-advocacy goes, I had to call and insist that, like, the, the doctor's office, just getting an appointment was taken forever. And, and I guess there was some kind of snafu between them and the um, bureaucracy that I'm working through. And I called him up and I was just like, look, I hurt. I can't lift shit. I'm not I'm, I'm not able to work as well as I normally can. I'm not able to exercise. I don't care what it takes. I'm coming in on Tuesday for an appointment and you know, if I have to pay for it myself, I will do that. You don't uh, just fuck the 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 those other people. 
I'm coming in and I'm going to see the doctor. And they were basically just like, okay, sure. (laughs) You know, after all this, like, nonsense going back and forth, when I really put my foot down and said, hey, this is how it's going to be, they were perfectly fine with it. And I expected a lot more pushback than I got. Yeah. And, And that's been my experience with a lot of different things, getting medications, getting appointments, getting testing, all this different shit. Yeah, so I mean there's there's a couple of things going on here, right? So the first thing is like you're getting a hernia surgery for free. Like not that's... entirely for free. It's like Oh, not free? No, it's like I th- I think I have to pay like 25% of the costs. Okay. So, so you're greatly reduced. I'll probably only have to pay a couple thousand for it. Yeah, so just the fact that you can get a surgery <laughs> yeah. and get the hernia removed, like, that's that's awesome. That's yeah. cool. So there's, like, that's a pro, right? That's like, all right, good job. This thing that you mentioned with uh, the, like, callous doctor archetype, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that is something that I find pretty problematic um about the system is like it's so it's so impersonal right so like you're not a human being you're like a set of biometrics (laughs) and tests on a piece of paper and like they're just like trying to give you the drug that makes the problem seemingly go away right and in some cases so now i'm I'm kind of like zooming out now now i'm not yeah. just talking specifically about the hernia <laughs> thing but like i want to include and start to kind of get into the uh the topic of pharmaceuticals because there's a huge complex uh in western medicine and it's t- it's completely tied with the pharmaceutical industry yes uh and like so what people maybe don't understand is that and and so again like i'm gonna say that like i i have had like pretty pretty overwhelmingly negative experiences with western medicine uh i myself am pretty healthy so i haven't had to go in too much but when i have it's been uh mostly negative experiences and when i see the way that it has affected my my loved ones um and how it's affecting just the overall i mean specifically if we talk about in the u.s like there's some serious fuckery going on um which we'll get into uh yeah just real quickly people might not know this but uh, a lot of times like there's in there is a monetary incentive for doctors to prescribe medication yep so this is something that you need to know okay they're, they are getting paid to prescribe medication to people, period, okay? That, to me, that's immoral. That's, like, those, that's fucked up. Because people are getting medication who don't need it. Uh, people are getting addicted to those medications, and people are dying every single fucking day from those very medications okay the opioid epidemic that is going on in the u.s that is causing i can't even i don't even know how many deaths insane 
numbers of deaths. If we had a Jamie, I'd say pull it up. But you, I mean, anyone listening can can check it out. It's insane. It's absolutely fucked up. So, like, these are the kind of things that when I look at this, I'm like, dude, what is going on here? This is not... This is not about caregiving. This is not about healing. This is about making money. And... And period. Yeah. It is. And, you know, the... um the companies involved with it they they knew about it they knew about the uh, the addictive nature of the medications before they you know they, there was a huge basically marketing campaign um yeah, i'm pretty sure it was pfizer and i know they're everybody's heroes because they came out with the first fucking covid vaccine but um i remember hearing one podcast <laughs> say something along the lines of like Gee, I never thought I'd root for the pharmaceutical industry, but let's go, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so we do have to we we gotta give credit where it's due, you know, like yeah, it's vaccines. real good with the bad situation. Vaccines are probably the number one thing to come out of the Western medical system. Yeah, that's I mean, it's pretty incredible what what we've been able to do. Um, I know there's a lot of skepticism uh around that as well which i i don't think we're gonna get into that today uh but i do want to go back to the the callous doctor yeah real quick um i did look it up Forty-six thousand deaths for almost forty-seven thousand deaths in 2018 from opioid overdoses and that's just the overdoses yeah that's insane that's just insane. So, and I believe it's going... It's still going up. 21,000 in 2010. It's almost doubled in the last 10 years. It has doubled. It's, it's more than doubled in the last 10 years. Yeah. So, and speaking speaking of which, uh, and connecting it with the callous doctor, I, I really want to get to this, because one of my yeah, favorite yeah. movies is uh, Requiem for a Dream. Oh, man. That's Have you seen that one? Yeah. On your recommendation, I watched it alone, and I was just like, at the end, I was just sitting on the couch, like, oh my god, I feel, dude, it made me feel dirty inside. But that movie is dude. incredible. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's amazing, and one of the scenes in there, I just like, and and it's one of those movies where I've watched it multiple times, and I almost never watch a movie more than once, but I watched it multiple times, and every time i just see these little details that i'm just like so fucking heavy so good perfect example um i don't i don't want to like i don't want to spoil anything but this is like a minor spoiler uh there's a scene in the movie where uh so after i forget her name but the mom you know she gets addicted to these these um these like weight loss pills which are essentially it's essentially speed and she um there's a scene where she goes into the doctor and and she's like she's literally starting to become delusional and you see from her point of view this is what's so it was so good you see from her point of view everything's like totally warped yeah and the sounds are all strange and confusing and like the lights are super 
um, startling and she's like totally wigging out. She's completely like she's starting she's, to dissociate. Yeah, okay? she's completely like freaked out and yeah, dissociated. She's completely is a good one. freaked out. She goes in there. She's in the waiting room. The doctor comes in. He opens the door and he's just staring at his fucking clipboard. Yeah. With all of her numbers or whatever. And he just goes like, how you doing? Like, she can barely even hear what he's saying. And he's just going through the motions of like, oh, how you doing today? Or whatever. He doesn't look at her. And then she's just like, everything's all mixed up. <laughs> like, she's totally fucked up. And he's like, oh, no, everything's fine. And he just, like, leaves. And he literally does not look at her the mm-hmm. entire time. And to me, like, that was just such such a powerful representation of what is going on in some some of these cases, right? Yeah. Um, and, like, to me, that scene was just, it was so fucking memorable. It was so on point. And, like... And dude, I gotta say, like, I, I'm not just talking out of my ass here, dude. Like, my, I have had a v- direct experience with this with my dad being overprescribed all kinds of fucking nonsense. Oh yeah. I mean, Jesus, man, they were giving him, they were giving him Adderall, they were giving him Xanax, they were giving him all kinds of fucking shit, man. Same shit was, with my mom, dude. Same dude, he, shit. He he turned into a fucking zombie, dude. He couldn't think. He couldn't fucking express anything. He couldn't feel anything. He was completely gone. He they literally took my dad away from me. Okay? And I'm not being dramatic here, dude. He was gone. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. There's benzo so, benzodiazepines. He was on those fucking, too. Yeah, that's that's what Xanax is. Um that's the category. Oh, right. It is just like right. a hardcore dissociative sedative drug. And, oh, my God, it it really fucking whacks people out. That is one of those, like, if... it, I know it helps certain people with certain types of, of medical disorders, but, oh, my God, people, stay away from the fucking benzos. Dude, those are so dangerous. They're so dangerous. They're the only drug... Uh, most people don't actually know this, but... um. Um, the only two drugs that you can die from a withdrawal from are alcohol and benzodiazepines. Dude, and they're handing that shit out like candy, okay? This is the shit that, this is why I get so fucking, like, so passionate about this because this is like, this is seriously immoral. Yeah, and, and like you said, it turns people into zombies, and I think one of the reasons why it's so widely used is that it's just it's basically just a shortcut to um, keeping somebody from from fucking shit up. You know, if you have somebody with some kind of neurological disorder, it is it's really easy to just put them on a sedative and send it back into the workforce. They're probably not yeah. going to fuck anything up. They'll probably be able to continue their job, um, but you're 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 sucking the soul out of them through a pill, but they're not going to cause problems to the wider system. Yeah. And it's much more difficult to go through like the the treatment path and um, you know actually get the thing under control. 
And, you know, this is actually something that I wanted to mention about this, because in my view, one of the biggest problems and uh, just like characteristic natures of Western medicine is that it's almost entirely reactive. Mm. So pretty much everything that that Western medicine does is reactive. Um, Vaccines are pretty much the only major exception to that. And even then you could still say that it's reactive because we don't, you know, we don't come up, we don't, we don't come up with a, with a vaccine until something is fucking us up. And thankfully vaccines actually prevent things in the future. But most of the stuff that um, we vaccinate for has been caused by (laughs) basically overpopulation in, in modern society, including the fucking coronavirus. And so it, it's all reactive. There's very little preventative and um, proactive is the word I was looking for uh, types of, of treatment. And it's a massive, massive problem and a lot has been said about it. But I think there could be plenty more said about it. Um, That's for sure. Yeah, one interesting thing that I, that I found out about I think this is on John Oliver's show. If your doctor is overweight, which statistically many, many doctors are in America. Um, in America. <laughs> yeah, we're at like 60 or 70% obesity at this point. It's fucking oh rough. Oh, my God. Um, it's horrifying. Yeah, I know. Um if so, if your doctor is overweight, they are far more likely, or far less likely, I should say, to recommend that you lose weight. And they don't want to be hypocrites, I guess. <laughs> it's, or, or and, uh, if I remember right, it's also they're far less likely to diagnose you as overweight. Because you know you can wow. tell you can you can diagnose somebody as being overweight and having health problems related to that, and you know still not tell them to lose weight. But um, they're they're just less likely to tell you that you're overweight and <laughs> diagnose you as having health related uh, obesity related health problems. Dude, just to just to go back for a second, I just realized how. I have to just pat my my subconscious on the back <laughs> because I I just realized how great that pun actually is because Hippocrates <laughs> is the father <laughs> of modern medicine. They don't want to they don't want to be hypocrites. Yeah, they took a real Hippocratic oath to not uh, be hypocrites. Oh man. That is good. So uh but in all in all seriousness, I think you bring up a really good point about kind of this like preventative versus reactive uh, kind of medicine, and how we're we're in this thing where it's to me like it's it's so much of it is band aid solutions, right? The Xanax. It's like, okay, you're anxious. Uh, here's a pill. Here you go. 
even just even a these. lot of surgeries. A lot of surgeries are unnecessary. Yeah. So so okay. Yeah. Here you go. Here's the pill. All right. You're good. See ya. Well, not really. Like you're not you're not good because those pills are fucking killing you and uh and of course like this isn't for this isn't everybody but literally some you know uh non-zero percentage large percentage of people are dying on these things so you know and this is where like the eastern approach the like more holistic approach to me is like a lot more valid and useful because the first thing somebody practicing eastern medicine will ask you is uh what is your what does your day look like what is your average day right they're just gonna ask a simple question you might not realize it but they're gauging what your lifestyle practices are okay and and because they know that lifestyle and diet are by far the biggest contributing factors to your overall health totally. by far okay nine in and you know i i could be wrong about this but dude like an overwhelming majority of diseases um like what of um non-communicable diseases or whatever i guess no diseases in general mm-hmm. are due to poor poor lifestyle and diet and, totally. and hydration the human like, body that's... doesn't just fucking glitch out all the time that's one thing i think that people have forgotten is that like our bodies are designed to work well you know we don't just diseases don't just pop up all the fucking time yeah and, and you know there are, of course there's diseases you know there's lyme disease and shit like this which is like it's that's that's what i wanted to say like you know we're we're excluding diseases that you contract and e- but even even if we included those it would still be fucking 98% yeah. or yeah, still, some crazy yeah, number still not due that to many out there diet and lifestyle yeah most cancers are, are from diet and lifestyle um, pretty much all chronic inflammatory diseases people people always say that you know oh well it's my genes or whatever and it's like Okay, I mean, there's definitely a genetic component. Yeah, there's predispositions. And genes do predispose you towards certain diseases. But, like, having a gene doesn't mean that you are going to have a disease. That's not how it works. Yeah. Uh, so th- that kind of stuff, I mean, man, it's just, like, it's so simple. It's like, oh, you're anxious? Well, uh, like, what does your day look like? Well... I wake up, I drink six cups of coffee, and then I go and I go into an office where I feel unsafe uh, and get yelled at by my boss all day. Get underpaid for the job. uh, And like I'm totally overworked, and then I go home and I watch TV until I go to sleep. It's like... Okay, yeah, here's a Xanax. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. You like, have dude, generalized you. anxiety disorder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like That kind of stuff just bothers me so much. It's like, yeah. dude, start with the basics. Like, how about you... How much How much water are you drinking? Do you, do you drink water? 
like because everything that your body does requires water basically your body yeah. is mostly water that's a good place to start does, drink some water does beer count have you beer doesn't count unfortunately we're getting to this you know where we got these i don't get me wrong i love me a good ipa <laughs> pale ale or something but it's too much alcohol man it's dehydrating the the weak beer that we used to make that was like maybe like one or two percent could could actually hydrate you but drink a little kombucha uh, yeah a little booch never never hurt anybody but like yeah to go back to the lifestyle thing so it's like just really basic shit are you exercising are you eating enough of the right macros are you eating high quality food are you getting your fucking greens in are you eating vegetables it's so like it's so to me so much of this stuff is just insanely simple yeah insanely simple and a lot of the neurological disorders that doesn't mean that it's easy though sorry to interrupt you i just have to say this that does not mean that it's easy people it's It's fucking hard. hard to get our shit together it's it's hard it's not easy yeah but the uh, okay. a lot of the neurological disorders you know the the anxiety disorders the you know the bipolar disorders a lot of these things are related to trauma oh yeah so most of the the glitches that happen in our body are not just hard-coded into our genes. They've happened somewhere between the process of being born and where you are now. And it's important to remember the being born part because um, like a lot of allergies and stuff are related to the way that you're, you were born. You know, I, I was a yep. C-section baby and I wasn't breastfed for that long. And that's those are both related to um, a lot of allergic type things and autoimmune disorders yeah yeah we talked we talked about this a little bit in our microbiome episode but the problem with and i think certain hospitals are starting to practice this now but like the problem with c-section is you don't get inoculated with your mother's microbiome where if you're getting borned vaginally you're just getting a nice smear of all those good (laughs) microbi uh microbes and it just now you're you're good to go right whereas and dude this is one more thing i gotta say about those these fucking hospitals it looks like a goddamn prison in there it does like dude it's the the like when i go into a hospital like okay what do you feel when you go into a hospital like what what vibes do you feel when you go in there (laughs) it 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 feels like a, a classic horror movie scene that's what it feels like yeah. to me it's exactly just, it, it's like oh this is where people go to die <laughs> <laughs> it feels like death um an illness and i i swear like my heart rate and blood pressure just raises a significant oh, yeah. amount going in there all those fucking beeping harsh beeping instruments <laughs> and super gnarly uh, fluorescent yeah, lights and fluorescent whitewashed walls. I mean, I get They're it. You want it to you be with clean. All these instruments. So if it's white, then you see when there's dirt. But it's like, dude, put some fucking plants in there. Put some like, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's just it's so it doesn't feel like a place of healing at all. And and we know we know that that 
is an important factor. This is the thing. It's like, oh, well, it doesn't need to feel like it. It does. Because that makes a fucking difference. It makes a huge Dude, difference. So my chiropractor's office is a perfect example of this, of the, the difference between these two. Um, you walk into my chiropractor's office, and the walls are white. He's still got white lighting. It's clean. But he's got nice chairs. He's got plants in there. There's art on the walls. There's a little music playing. It 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 smells nice. He's got this diffuser with like some some nice smelling oils in it. And you walk in there and it just feels good. And yeah. it's really funny because um and he's also a perfect example of um preventative type uh medical approaches. He you know, he's a chiropractor. Um, he has his doctorate and also working in his practice is a basically a physical therapist that also does as a yoga instructor and who does like movement and stability and mobility type stuff and a massage therapist and they're, they're all in the same building I mean you can go from one to the other and it's a little expensive but it's affordable. Um, you just have to budget it in a little bit. And man, it is just it. It feels like a place of healing, like like you're saying the other place doesn't. The and it it feels like um it feels like a place where you're going to actually get healthy. When I go there, I I, I want to go there. I feel good when I walk in the door. Um, and he's super friendly. That's another thing. He's like very friendly talks to you all, all about all kinds of different things um part of that is going to see him regularly but they just have a really good atmosphere in there and i think that um that is really really important that's, that's i'm glad you brought that up because yeah the the sort of feel of the of the office you're going into does make a big difference and the doctor's mannerisms do make a big difference. And I think there would be a lot less of a problem with people being able to communicate how they're feeling and be honest with their doctor. And um, there'd be less of a disconnect between the two if there was that effort put into atmosphere. Yeah, 100%, man. 100%. Well... I guess we're already we're already into this. Um, I remember I had I had one other thing I was going to mention. I'm blanking. I mean, it dude, now. we could could go all day on this shit. I yeah. mean, I get way too worked up on this stuff because <laughs> it's just so frustrating. It Especially is like when we just when so many of this stuff, so much of this stuff is just painfully obvious. It's painfully obvious oh, now i remember i remember this is this is a, a crazy crazy thing um so my stepdad i remember this whenever i said some surgery a lot of surgeries are unnecessary my stepdad they told him that he was going to need a spinal fusion do you know what that is oh where they fuse two like uh vertebrae together yeah Jesus. Yeah, they told him that he needed one of those. 
and they said that he wasn't that he was just going to keep getting worse and basically was going to be a cripple if they didn't give him a spinal fusion. And my mom was like, "Fuck that! No, don't do that." <laughs> How about you do some thoracic extension? <laughs> well, she she put him on a little exercise routine, put him in an inversion oh table, and came up with this like this herbal mix for pain. And my mom's a total forest fairy, so she, she I don't know how she knows this stuff, but she knows a lot of things about um, about natural and herbal medicine types. And people love to poo-poo this stuff, but it fucking worked. And, you know, people will say, oh, it's a placebo effect. It's like, okay, well, if the placebo effect is powerful to enough to take somebody from barely being able to stand to now he's throwing around hay bales... And they said he was going to need to have a spinal fusion, and now he's fine. It's like, okay, yeah. well, how? at what point do we just say, okay, let's start using the placebo effect? I don't care if it's <laughs> fake or not. Dude, I am so fucking glad that you brought this up, because the placebo effect, I feel like it's so fucking misunderstood. Yeah. Like, dude, to me, the placebo effect is... This is our understanding of, like, mind over body, basically, yeah. right? Like, the, the, maybe not mind over body, but uh, the power of the mind. Yeah. Okay? Like, we, when we're, when we're, and I would love to get a actual number on this, but uh, maybe Will knows this, but, like, you know, so when we're looking at the efficacy of a drug... It's like we're comparing it to the placebo effect, yeah. basically. And if it's like marginally better than the placebo effect, then it's great. Then it's like, wow. Yeah. Right. And so, like, it's to me, it's so funny because like people are poo pooing the placebo effect. And it's like, that's one of the most powerful things that we can leverage. I mean, yeah, I don't know like, why dude, we're not just giving more people placebos. <laughs> like, why? Dude, I mean, why would we not be leveraging this? Dude, like, this is the thing. Like, the best shamans on the planet, what they're really good at, of course, they they probably know some really awesome, valid, like, statistically significant healing procedures, but what they're really fucking good at is engaging the placebo effect, okay? And that's not just like, oh, they're fucking like tricking people no dude like they like that's so important that's so fucking important to be able to do that i'm just thinking since you said the best shamans in the world i'm just thinking since ayahuasca and mushrooms and stuff are getting more popular like like america's top shaman show <laughs> oh my god <laughs> who oh, can blast hilarious. people's brains out the best yeah uh oh man dude there's so much we can get into here the stuff that happened with your mom oh my god i, I mean i would like to actually have her talk about some of that it was so so bad i mean that's the perfect example of like the of you know western medical practices making things so much worse than they could possibly have been yeah. with like na any kind of natural uh, <laughs> and it has, attempt it has everything we're talking about in here unnecessary surgery oh bad my God. <laughs> bad prescriptions 
Oh, All kinds God. of crazy shit. My poor, poor mother. Whenever you were mentioning Requiem for a Dream, like, that that was one thing that, like, really upset me about that film was, like, like I saw my mom, mom so much in that woman, and she didn't... It wasn't the same sort of thing. She did get unknowingly addicted to... Uh, to benzos um but she wasn't she wasn't like taking extra she it just was like when she tried to get off of them it was like a medical emergency basically um and they had to they had to slowly wean her off of them um but yeah she she was treated so badly by the medical system and you know i actually have my own thing about that that i i wanted to mention too that I already mentioned in the story time segment of some episodes back, but you know, that guy, that doctor who um, told me that I just pulled a muscle in my leg when I had broken my oh pelvis my and I was internally bleeding for two days because of him. You know, he, he just stuck me with some morphine. And while I was trying to tell him there's something wrong with me, it's not a pulled muscle. I pulled muscles before. He just fucking gave me some opiates and sent me on my way. Dude, okay. Okay. Like, there's there's very obvious things about that that's completely fucked up, but what you might miss at first glance is that he gave you opiates when he thought you had a fucking pulled muscle? He shot me. He gave you morphine when he thought you had a pulled muscle. He needled me. As a fucking kid, He shot me in the ass like I got fucking shot. Like... (laughs) Dude, that is literally that, what you. I mentioned this on the last one, but that's what you do for gunshot victims. You know, you you, what it was like a subcutaneous, I think it's called, injection of a high-powered morphine analog. Dude, the shit. Yeah, the shit just triggers me. Man. It's so triggering, dude. Oh man, I've had to I've had to go through. That's actually one of the things in my life that I'm most upset about, that I most hold a grudge about is that fucking doctor. Cuz I'm pretty sure he fucked me up bad. Like if he if I, I feel like I don't know, it, I could be wrong, but I feel like if I was treated quicker um and like basically held in place, which is what they did to me once I got back instead of moved around all, all over the place and stuck on a bus for a five-hour ride. Um, I feel like I probably could have ended up a lot better from that injury. But, yeah, it's it's very triggering. And, you know, it's, it's, kind of, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real double-edged sword because without the medical system, I definitely would be dead. Like, I... Oh, yeah. I would definitely be dead from a bunch of different shit. There's a bunch <laughs> of things that would have offed me by now if it wasn't for the medical system. But fu- it's fucked me up pretty bad, too. Yeah. Yeah, that is... that is uh, It's it's good to recognize that, you know? So yeah. it's like it's not like we're saying just throw it away. No, but like, no. There there's... are some very obvious things that we could fix that would improve all of our lives significantly. And yeah. And I think, a lot of unnecessary death and suffering happening due to a lot of the practices yeah, that are um, commonplace. I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of pushback on this kind of thing because people have there's a huge stigma around um, you know basically holistic medicine in general 
people just talk about people it's either like the the thing you know the the fucking miracle that you should use everything for or it's complete bullshit and people who purport it are spreading misinformation and causing harm there's like no middle ground in there and i think that the the middle ground is where we could really improve the medical system of you know okay well let's find the efficacy of some of this stuff and you know one thing that i think the people don't realize is that pretty much all of our pharmaceuticals are originally derived from chemicals that we found in plants and including antibiotics or or funguses fungi um and you know we've we've synthesized all kinds of new chemicals and stuff like that but aspirin originally from uh, I believe it's willow bark mm. penicillin originally from mold on a cantaloupe all this different shit it, it has been derived from plants and so it's it, there's absolutely no way that it's just all bullshit that's just a stupid like um, oh you mean like Western plant bias. medicine yeah Oh, that's yeah. just a that's I just totally a dumb agree. Western bias. Like it, it really annoys me whenever people are just like, "Oh, that's complete bullshit." It's like, no, there's there's without a doubt there's working stuff in the plant world. There's just no hundred percent. There's no that I don't I don't see why people would argue against that. And it's because they're they're upset in their mind. They basically see some hippie out there who is just like completely sold on on everything plants and that's why i say there's a problem with the um with the extremes on both ends definitely and you know people who do that they they want to completely deride the the western medical system and i think that that's a big problem too you don't want to you don't want to throw either of the babies out with the bathwater. 100 percent, man like i yeah for me it's like the, the, what we're kind of doing in in Western medicine, for the most part, it's like this is kind of like last resort kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like antibiotics, for example. Again, I'm not telling you what to do, but don't take antibiotics unless you have to. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah unless it's a real problem. And I remember somebody saying saying it well. They were like, unless you die otherwise, you should never take antibiotics. Pretty much, dude. Like, it's it's like it's insane. It's just well, you know so... why we do that as a as a little side step. The reason why antibiotics are so overtaken is in America, especially, is because we don't let people go home sick for a while. Right. Sicknesses naturally run their course in like a week or two, and yeah, we should take that week or two off of work. And there should be some kind of yeah, compensation. And th- this is the thing that that I feel like people don't really realize is like when we get sick, that is generally because our immune system is depressed from diet and lifestyle factors, <laughs> yeah. from stress, from yeah, stress in general. I mean, all of those that's oh, all man. related, but la- malnutrition and lack of hydration, all this shit depresses the immune system and you get sick and then it's like so it's your body is like hey uh i can't handle this shit like you got to yeah, do something different rest. and then 
So, oh, I'll just pop an antibiotic. It'll be back to back to work tomorrow, dude. Yeah, which is basically like nuking your body's microbiome. It's just like and that's it's, it's kind of oh. like a chemotherapy or something like that, where you're just dude. like, all right, destroy everything. Dude, this bothers me so much because it's it's just such a lack of systems thinking. It's such a lack of like thinking about long-term consequences you know yeah. it's all it's so short term like yeah. oh I'm, I'm sick i don't want to be sick oh here you go you're not sick anymore but then you get sick more yeah you get sick more easily yeah you have problems with digestion you have all these fucking other health issues that crop up because of that it's like oh what are you gonna give all those workers a week or two off or any of that productivity it's like yeah well you're by shoving antibiotics down their throat every time they get sick, you're knocking three or five, three to five years off of their productivity in the end. Once yeah. again, it's just, it's just like short-term, such short-term thinking. Okay, dude, I, I have to bring, I know we're, we're going off the rails here, but I have to bring something, I have to bring something else up here that I don't, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but I think this is, uh, really, really important for people to learn about. Um, I, I'm not super well-versed in all of the ideas here, but um, some people may be familiar with a gentleman by the name of Brett Weinstein. Mm. And he is a um, evolutionary biologist, I believe. He, he's a he's a biologist brilliant biologist and you know one of the one of the things that he discovered and i would highly encourage people to like check him out and and you know get this information from him because he obviously can describe it way more accurately and concisely than i can but i did want to bring this up he basically found that so so when we're when we're looking at um, when we're testing, you know, you have to go through all these approvals, uh, FDA stuff to like approve a drug for use, right? You can't just like give people, you know, anything. You have to make sure that it's safe, right? And so they test, they test these drugs on rats, on lab rats. And what he found was that basically all of, or mice, I guess, I don't know, the you know, some sort of lab rodent very unfortunate creatures um <laughs> but the, yeah so what they found was that all of these uh lab rats they kind of descended they're they're all from the same lineage basically and specifically when looking at the genes and I, i'm i'm not gonna have this totally accurate i forget I forget exactly what it is, but I believe they have like very short telomeres, mm. which essentially what that does is it gives them like like a adaptive survival bonus points for dealing with things like toxicity. Yeah. So it's like short term survival, but they all die from cancer mm. early. Like they, if you look at them, they all have tumors at the end of their lives. So. They're testing these drugs that are made for human consumption on rats that are like genetic freaks at dealing with toxicity, <laughs> okay? And they're handing this shit out like candy. 
you know, so, that is fascinating. Oh, it's like, huh, I wonder why there's an opioid epidemic. Maybe because <laughs> they're, it's way too fucking strong. And this is why all these yeah. fucking people are dying. Yeah. Well, Jesus. You know. I'm, ah, <laughs> Nate. <laughs> I mean, and, easy and people boy, just easy. laugh. Easy. People Down just boy. laugh, laugh him off because he hasn't fucking published a million papers or I, I don't know. Like, uh, no, I think he, I this think... isn't well, this isn't widely known at all. I think he um, got in trouble for some woke shit. Um, wasn't he the guy who got fired from the college for showing up on the day that white people weren't supposed to show up? Yes. He he concluded that it was racist it was just like, to force um, white people not to go to school yeah, he was on just a certain like, day. Um, that's kind of fucked up, so yeah. I'm not going to do that. And yeah, they fired him. Um, yeah, and there was like a fucking Maoist insurrection, dude, at that <laughs> place. It was insane. Yeah. You gotta look. People look yeah, this is, shit up. It is it's, wacky. It's he crazy. Had to, yeah, he had Evergreen, to get, uh, Evergreen College. Yeah, he had to get fucking like escorted out by security. They're gonna, dude, They're gonna straight tear that dude apart. Um, dude, that was crazy. That was. We won't get into. Insane. We won't get into. That's into a whole nother, whole nother That's a completely. Fucking, a, I'm just going to. I'm just going for triggering Hank now. Um, well, it's actually funny because if that didn't happen, I wouldn't know any of his stuff on yeah, evolutionary theory. I wouldn't know about his, this stuff with the with the lab rats or any of this stuff. It's a little bit stuff. of a Streisand effect. Fascinating. Yeah, he's a dude. He's a fascinating guy. I think yeah. he's he has he's a podcast, a, by the way, and he also has hmm. some uh, a bunch of appearances on Joe Rogan's cast. So check that dude out. Um, yeah, he's he's brilliant, man, and his brother Eric. Jesus, like these guys are just just brilliant. You know, I never brilliant. actually made that connection that those two are brothers. Yeah, <laughs> Brett and Eric. You didn't? No, I didn't. I didn't even know that they were brothers. Those guys talk about a fucking power duo. Those man. those kids those kids had some seriously good brain genes. Um, yeah, they're extremely intelligent. Yeah, Will was telling me. Um, this is my my medical professional friend that we will have on. Um, he was telling me some crazy shit about the way they come up with these medications. Um, essentially, what they do, and this goes back to how you were saying, like if they if they're just marginally better than the placebo effect, then they start going through the the process. But basically what they do is they they have a bunch of these fucking synthetically made chemicals and they don't really know what they do and they're kind of similar to other chemicals that they do kind of know what they do. And they just they just throw shit at a wall and see what sticks. They just pump lab rats full of all these strange chemicals. And if, if it works for something, then they, they tr- start putting it through the, the trial system. Dude, it's so funny how our, like, worst imagination of, like, what an alien species would do to us is exactly what we are doing <laughs> to so-called inferior creatures yeah. on our own planet. Yeah, like, we're just creating hell horrifying. realms for animals. So fucked up. Yeah, and that's that's another podcast, but um, I... Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about we wanted to add ancestral lifestyles in here. So I wanted to talk a little bit about um, some of the approaches in the past to medicine 
and um, now there's there's a lot more triggering shit I can uh, I can put in here. One of my favorite <laughs> all time favorite stories of the medical system, the Western medical system, is the the guy who um, discovered that hand washing was important for doctors. Um, he found out because doctors were handling cadavers and then delivering babies without washing their hands in between. And they fucking, they basically like ruined this guy's life for discovering this. And he, he reduced child mortality by more than most people in, uh, in our history. One of the, one of the number one, Dis- medical discoveries um, just washing your fucking hands and the reason why they ruined this dude's life is because doctors were basically <laughs> the the great quote this is why it's just so fucking hilariously tragic to me um, the, the quote is a gentleman doesn't need to wash his hands because a gentleman's hands are clean that's what it was it was basically just like I'm I'm a high class white man and I don't and I don't my hands are clean because of that because of my identity <laughs> and I don't need to wash my hands. Look at them, they're white. They're like, white you fucker. <laughs> you fucking piece of shit. Oh man. So yeah, this guy got his life ruined. I'm pretty sure he ended up in an insane asylum because people just wouldn't fucking listen to him and he went crazy. Um or at least they said he went crazy. He probably didn't. Um oh god. But yeah, and there's there's all these crazy stories going back into into the history of the the Western medical system. But um, if you go way back, you start getting back into plant medicine, and you look at some of these like shamanic cultures, and they have a fascinating approach to to this stuff, and so much of it has to do with with the mind they don't really see a difference between the mind and the body they don't really right. see a difference between even like their their person their self and the world around them um and i think i've mentioned this one on the cast before but this was fucking great um aubrey marcus was saying this on on one of one of the podcasts he was on he went down to do ayahuasca and he was asking the the people there like how did you figure this out and they didn't really want to tell I forget if they didn't want to tell him first or if they just were kind of eye rolling about it but eventually they were like look you westerners you don't want to hear this or I don't know if they said westerners but you know they probably just said you white people. Um, you, you guys don't want to hear this, but the plants told us. That's how we mm. learned how to do this. And the way that they, they do this, the shaman, they take some ayahuasca and then they go out into the jungle and yeah. and commune, commune with nature in a very literal yeah. sense to find this shit. Yeah, and, the plants show them the way. Yeah, and people... You know, you can be skeptical about that sort of thing, 
but you tell me how they fucking figured out how to combine this particular root and this particular vine from completely different parts of, parts of the jungle to make ayahuasca and all this other shit. I mean, did I ever tell you about that that crazy shit that Avery put in my eyes? Oh, Ibogaine. No, it wasn't Ibogaine. Well, it's a uh, it's I'm pretty sure I I'm pretty sure I did the same same procedure, but it's it's that's the active ingredient. I think it's called something else, but the active ingredient is Ibogaine, I believe. Really? Just burns like yeah. like crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stop. I forget what it's called though. Yeah. Gotta, there's another name for it because it's like that's not the normal way that you ingest it, but they put uh, it in their eyes. The the traditional people they put it in their eyes because the right. So that that's like the distinction because yeah yeah. It doesn't matter. That's the that's the active ingredient in there, though. I got you. I believe. Um, I must be mistaken because I thought that Ibogaine was only in Africa, um, or maybe that's the tribes that he was talking about. I thought it was a South American thing. But anyways, yeah. It. <laughs> I guess I guess Hank and I have both done this. Um, <laughs> the way Avery described from the it, same shaman. From the same shaman, he described it as a. <laughs> Well, it's a bit like putting cayenne juice and lemon pepper in your eye, or cayenne, cayenne pepper and lemon juice in your eye. That, that actually kind of worked. Um, but that would probably be a little bit more pleasant than this. And Yeah, he was right. That stuff, it was a challenge. It was fucking... It, it, it was so crazy. Like, the the clarity of mind and of vision that you have afterwards is weird. It was so strange. Mm. It was all, it was yeah. like suddenly you had like supervision um, and, and just like really focused thinking too, a really clear thinking. I don't know if it was like hyper-focused. It wouldn't like be on speed or anything. Um, but yeah, that was, that was some very, really interesting stuff. And it's like, okay, well, how the fuck did they figure out how to put this shit in their eyes to make them see better? You know, it just seems, and you know, I guess the explanation would be like basically just monkeys going around and just being like, stuff shit into my eyes and my butt. But that just, I don't think that that's what they did. I mean, they're, they were smart humans. You don't just go around sticking stuff into your eyes. Um, Especially not something that burns like fucking fire. Yeah, I begin is actually a really interesting one because they've they've found that it it's like hugely powerful for um, for addiction. Specifically. Yeah, I need to take that stuff. I'm addicted to all uh, kinds of things. Yeah, it's apparently really really good for treating addiction. Yeah, so I mean, a lot of psychedelics are great for treating addictions. Yeah, because their ibogaine is especially powerful for that for some reason. But, um, like the psilocybin studies that came out of John oh, yeah. John Hopkins. I mean, oh my god, they were crazy. They were crazy. I remember Will didn't even believe me whenever I first told him that. He's like, "No way, dude! I would have heard about that." And I sent him the study, and he was just like, "Oh, well." I was like, yeah, there's just a huge stigma about it in the medical community. And he did point out that the, it was a, a pretty, like, preliminary trial and the sample size was fairly small. But Dude, I just got to say that 
you know, I got to just quickly, you know, that I really appreciate that he actually looked at the study and looked at like how it was done because oh, yeah. nobody fucking does that. And it's just like, well, here's the study. Look. And it's like, okay, well, did you see how the study was done? Oh yeah. And did you see that the study was paid for by the fucking soy <laughs> giant soy corporation or yeah. whatever? Like he's really good anyways. about methodologies and statistics and stuff like that. Nice. Like I said I was I was talking to him about COVID or something and um he he was like he sent me a, like a, an alternate source to something I mentioned he was like, "Yeah, you got to you got to make sure they're always doing like rolling week averages instead of this particular type of of statistical measurement and he showed me how like one graph looked one way and then the other graph looked a completely different way and they were showing the exact same data in a different way and um yeah it's it's just it's really important to check out methodologies in a lot of these things um but as far as I know, the the studies that have been going into psychedelics, um, uh, this is actually a funny little like product of the stigma behind it. Is that yeah? That's why the sample size is so small is because it's illegal. Oh well, yeah, that too. Um, but the methodologies have to be really on point because mm. there's not a whole lot of people advocating for it. Well, there yeah, is, but sure. you know, they're 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 stigmatized. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and, and I don't know if you heard about the uh, the MDMA trial, but uh, Rick Doblin, um, who's my hero for the work that he's doing, um, he he ended up setting up this fund that was basically like buy ecstasy for veterans <laughs> because. The, they had to have like this very specifically sourced MDMA and it was like super expensive and they couldn't get funding for it and stuff like this so they ended up crowdsourcing people buying all this MDMA to do these nice. these trial studies on veterans and they, they were like massively successful it was crazy yeah and I remember like anytime that I that I tell people about that um it, it, this is a kind of upsetting to me. Like people just don't know. Whenever I tell yeah. people, like, "Oh yeah, MDMA is going to be a legalized therapy here soon," people are like, "What? What are you talking about?" Like, yeah, they're on phase three trials to make MDMA therapy a thing. And um, yeah, by the way, they're already doing it with ketamine. And mm. like, we're already doing this. We're already doing psychedelic therapy. And I think that psychedelic therapy is kind of the the real bridge between the Eastern and Western systems because, you know, ayahuasca gets into a little bit of a, a different realm for me, but because it's just so powerful that it'd be hard to do any kind of Westernized therapy with it. But you, you put people on MDMA and then take them through like basically what is normal psychotherapy and it just increases the the power and the efficacy of the therapy by a shitload. Um, and there's I won't get too into it. We'll probably have to do a whole another episode on psychedelics. But it it, it um, you know it, it enhances 
what we're already doing. And the same thing with, I shouldn't say the same thing, it's a similar thing with psilocybin. Um, as far as I know, the, the, the approach with the doctor for psilocybin is a lot more like quiet. Like they're trying to keep the person calm and still and sort of like have them go inward. Um, yeah. Because it, it, it's a little bit more of a self, self-working thing. But the MDMA, it just, we're, we, you just do basically the same thing that we're already doing. You just give people a, this this medicine at the same time, and it feels good. And, and that's that's one thing that people um, have a mistake about this kind of thing whenever I tell them, because their immediate reaction is like, oh, yeah, of course it works. People say it works because they're getting ecstasy, and it makes them feel good. And it's like, no, there's actually a like a physical thing that happens in your brain that like I'm I'm going to butcher the science here a bit but the the easy way to think about it is that it kind of puts your brain in a plasticity state state and allows it to sort of rewire its approach to these past experiences so it it actually heals trauma and so many of these psychedelics that's what's going on and why they're so effective at doing these different things you know people are like oh it can cure addiction what it's really doing is it's healing traumas that that haven't been addressed and we can do that without them but i mean why would we why would you if mdma and psilocybin and ayahuasca and all these different things they're extremely safe they're not harmful to the body and they're not addictive i mean mdma can be addictive um uh, yeah i mean and I, I guess I will say that like there, there's a lot of there's actually a lot of interesting things about this because um like so what they found you know and anybody who's who's done psychedelics before should be aware of this idea but like set and setting are by far like the biggest factors as to whether or not the medicine works. Yeah, you don't want to do MDMA therapy in one of those sterile doctor environments we were talking about no. earlier. That'd be a terrible and, place to do it. And and not only that, but if you just take psychedelics with no intention and if you're like at a fucking party or like whatever, <laughs> if you're just you know, walking or stumbling around in the streets, like it's not going you're not going to you 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 st- and that's the thing that's crazy is you still might have a really powerful healing experience say, stumbling around the street not. can be kind of fun uh but yeah so the idea here is like yeah the set and setting are extremely important for all of these uh different medicines and like um that's what's so interesting is again it kind of brings back brings us back to the like the power of the mind yeah Pretty much every time I hear somebody say that they tried psychedelics and had a terrible experience, um, the first thing I always ask them is, were you at a party? And they pretty much unequivocally say yes. Yeah, there you go. And that's what I always say. I say, that's why you had a bad experience. It's not a party drug. Um, And that's so, so important. And one thing that's going to really need to happen as we start to open our society's minds more to psychedelics is 
we need to educate people about that specifically that set and setting is so important people are you're going to wig people out and you're going to turn people away from it if uh if we don't educate people on that yeah and it actually reminds me of to kind of bring it back to the ancestral kind of ideas like you know tobacco used to be a like used as almost as a medicine it was used as a as a way to i mean i don't i don't know all the details behind it i'm sure different cultures use it in different ways but i know in like native american cultures you would have ceremonies uh you know the peace peace pipe, pipe that the classic the classic peace pipe right and so like and there was some like real power to those ceremonies because it's set and setting right and then westerners came along and now they they like they're like ah tobacco is cool but now it's a social thing it's not a it's not a spiritual thing it's now it's just something that you do because you're bored or so you, you know because you can um connect with other people and that's cool but then it loses its power and then not only that but it actually becomes destructive yeah uh as we can see like with with uh smoking addictions like it's super destructive for certain certain people um so i just wanted to kind of bring that up because i thought that's a really interesting distinction of like yeah i'm a little using something as a medicine versus like as a social kind of uh lubricant we'll say yeah i I definitely am am concerned about psychedelics because i can really see especially with with the legalization of marijuana going on i can see the the problems that are going to arise people are going to start using it recreationally all the time and it's going to be it's going to it's it'll be abused essentially and the same thing has been happening with marijuana um obviously that was happening but that before. but that's not because of legalization like um no but it, it it's it's an unfortunate side effect like it's it's become more and more like you know i, I think that marijuana is obviously like it is a psychedelic and it is a, a, a sacred medicine to cultures all over the world and has been used in ceremonial settings for thousands of years. And uh, I just sent Will this fucking picture that I had on it. It was an ad on YouTube and it was one of those like Farmville type games, but it was a, it was Bud Farm and it just had some like, like, stereotypical stoner looking people on there and it's just like make money selling weed (laughs) it's like this and i i certainly abuse marijuana but it always makes me sad to see this like sacred medicine being turned into this completely commercialized thing yeah that's another great example it's 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 it really is a shame and you know there, there's so much that we can learn through like the intentional use of these plant medicines, but like, yeah, it's. Um, I have one hope for it. Stuff. One, one big hope for mushrooms, particularly. Mushrooms are just easier to grow than marijuana. 
and you know you, it, I'm sure there's there's like growing techniques that will increase the amount of psilocybin but you know growing super high hot, top shelf weed is a fucking science experiment it's like a whole intensive long complicated process growing mushrooms is fucking cake and so i'm i'm really hoping that the the ease of growth will um prevent mushrooms from becoming as commercialized as weed is becoming mm. um i don't think you're going to see the same kind of like lounge style dispensaries for mushrooms and you know it's it's just different you know you go into a, a a weed store and you're looking at all these different types of weeds all these different kinds of strains for mushrooms it's just psilocybin so psilocybin and psilocybin but like it's the same chemical you're not getting you're not getting a different high because of a bunch of different types of cannabinoids and stuff like that um it does change a little bit based on the ratio of psilocybin to psilocybin but like it, it just doesn't have the same sort of qualities as weed does in that way so i think mm. that psilocybin is going to be and it's just it's man it's such an intense experience that you know people will end up microdosing and stuff like that but you can't just casually take a bunch of mushrooms <laughs> no <laughs> it's not a casual it's not a casual experience yeah, yeah you're going to have some take intense like cognition 6 grams of fucking <laughs> oh my god dude yeah, I'll, I'll, that is what uh, what we refer to as a heroic dose. Yeah, I'll, I can tell that story another time. Mm. Uh, wow. Yeah, we're we're about there, bud. We're there, man. This flew by. I know. Holy I shit. know. This is a good one. There's a lot more we can talk about in this one, but we are unfortunately out of time. But we love you, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Peace out. Bye-bye. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed recording it. I always love telling those stories. Hopefully you guys enjoy listening to our uh, uneducated rantings. We are so appreciative to have you with us. Don't forget to send us an email, hop into the Discord, and check out our Patreon. We love you, we thank you, and we will see you next week.